everyone. Welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. My name is Brian, and it's good to talk to you again. So today we finish our walk through the book of James, and we do so talking about what James says we are to do as a community, as a church. How are we supposed to live with one another? How are we supposed to treat each other? James talks a lot about that in the end of his book. It's important information for those of us who are part of a church family. So I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe that God has something He would like to say to you. If you have a Bible in the seat back in front of you, if you brought one with you this morning, we're going to be in that final chapter of the book of James this morning, James chapter 5. If you want to take a minute to find it, it's towards the end of the Bible. James chapter 5, right before the book of 1 Peter, you might find it right there, James chapter 5. So we've come to the final Sunday of the year 2018. We've come to this end of this tremendous year. Uh, For some of us, it was wonderful. Some of us, it was full of incredible blessings. For others, it was full of heartache and difficulty and times of trial, and and it was not necessarily the best. Some of us are looking forward to that page turning in the calendar, bringing about a new year for us, because 2018 was maybe a little bit challenging for so many. For some of us, we're thinking, as we start to think about in two days, we're going to go into a new year, some of us are starting to think how... In this chaotic, unpredictable world, can I find some, something constant, something to hold on to, something sure and anchored and firm? Where can I find that as I go into this new year? And I hope this morning as we look into the book of James, we can find the answer to that because James ends his book as we end our year and it really coincides very nicely James chapter 5 is the end of James's beautiful letter that he writes. And if you've been with us the past couple of months, you know we've been walking through this letter. This letter that James writes to believers scattered around the world, around the nations. And he writes this letter because they're going through unpredictable, chaotic times. If you remember James chapter 1, it was all about this idea of how as a church, how as a people do we face trials and tribulations in a world that might hate us, in a world that might not want to be anywhere near us. And James addresses this idea of in a chaotic, unpredictable world, how do you find your source of strength? How do you find something constant? And this morning in 2018, as we enter 2019, we're going to ask that same question. How am I to be who I'm supposed to be? How can I be constant in a world that's so unpredictable and chaotic? So if you've got that chapter open in front of you, I'm going to read a few verses from the end of James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. We read there like this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, 
and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. As James closes out this letter, that would be an encouragement and a blessing to believers scattered all over the world. We close out a year, and the question is still the same. How can we be constant? How can we be steadfast and sure in a world that's so chaotic and so unpredictable? And really, there are only two things. And James mentions one of them right at the beginning. He tells us one thing that we are absolutely supposed to do, and that is, number one, to be centered on Christ. To be centered on Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like, to be centered on Christ? It sounds like a nice cliche phrase, a nice statement to say, to be centered on Christ. But if you look at how James starts out this passage of Scripture, he says like this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Do you notice that in every situation, it's connected back to God? It's connected back to the relationship that that person has with Christ. Let me put it this way. If I have a lamp, and you see a lamp right here, that lamp can be turned on and draw power when it is connected to a source of power. Now, right behind here is a plug and a socket. The plug goes into the socket. As long as the lamp is centered near the area or the source of power, it can do this. It can fulfill its purpose. And James says like this to believers who are scattered around the world facing all kinds of troubles and tribulations in the world around them. If you are close to God, if you are close to God in times of happiness, you'll be able to fulfill your purpose. If you're close to God in your times of trouble or dismay, you can fulfill your purpose. He tells them to praise in happy times, to pray in troubled times. If you are sick, draw close to God and pray to him. Notice every solution is connected back to God. I often think about how we do things. Sometimes a little bit different, right? When it comes to us and our walk with Christ, we often think that, look, I would be connected to my source of power as long as I need to be, kind of like a light bulb. I'll be connected to the God as long as I need to be, but as soon as trouble comes, as soon as a bad diagnosis comes, as soon as trouble with my family comes about, as soon as there's some sort of issue at work or trouble with a classmate or trouble with school, as soon as problems occur, I detach myself from my source of power and I try to do it on my own. It's amazing how that happens, isn't it? That we detach from our source of power. And look, we sometimes are able to have a little bit of light as we are working. We might say, look, it's working for me, but over time, it starts to flicker and it fades and our source of power is gone in those moments. But James says something like this. To be centered on Christ means that we are full of faith. We are full of faith. Think about the words that he uses here. He says like this. And if you are sick, call the elders of the church to pray and to anoint in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. 
What does it mean to be deeply centered on Christ? What does that look like? What is the purpose of being centered on Christ? That means that when trouble comes, I look to Christ. When happy times come, instead of praising myself, acknowledging myself, I look to Christ because everything is centered around Christ. I encourage you, as a new year comes, where can you be intentional about this? Where can you intentionally center your life around Christ? If the lamp doesn't work, if it's away from its power source, you and I as followers of Christ can't really function when we're away from our source of power. We have to be connected to him. Over these next four weeks, Pastor Brian and myself will walk you through some of the ways that we can be more centered on Christ, where we can grow closer in our walk with him. And I encourage you to be a part of those sermons because this is going to be a way for us to physically and very practically dive into being centered on Christ. James doesn't say that in some situations focus on him. He says in every situation, good times, bad times, sickness, health, in every situation be centered on Christ. And he says, do it full of faith. He gives an example of a man named Elijah, a prophet from the Old Testament, who prayed that God would not let rain come down from heaven for three and a half years in order for God's plan and purpose to be fulfilled in that land and to turn a king and a queen away from their wicked ways. And sure enough, God heard the prayer, the fervent prayer of a faithful person. And when he heard that prayer, the rain stopped. Three and a half years later, Elijah prays again, God, send the rain, and sure enough, the rain comes because God works when our faith is centered on him. Elijah was praying for something that God wanted, and Elijah, sure enough, saw the answer to that prayer happen. He was centered on Christ. But I believe there's more to what we need for 2019 than just being centered on Christ. There's more to it, and I think James also addresses that. James says like this, that we need to be centered on Christ, and we need to be connected to each other. Centered on Christ and connected to each other. If you look at this passage of Scripture that we read this morning, you'll notice over and over again, James references us as a group. If any one of you is sick, call the elders and pray for each other. He tells us to confess our sins to each other. He says to pray for each other. There's so much each other in this passage of Scripture because we are called to be connected to each other. If you take a minute and look around this room right now, it's easy to show up here on a Sunday kind of just hang out in the back or just sit wherever you like to sit on a Sunday, sit here for an hour, take off for the week, and come back and sit here for an hour again. We isolate with the best of them, don't we? Because we know how to isolate well. When I'm isolated, I feel comfortable with myself. But James says that you are not only to be centered on Christ, you are to be connected to each other. If you look in the room right now and ask yourself honestly, where else in my week, where else in my life do I get to sit next to wonderful people like this? Where else in my life can I connect with a a family from Ethiopia, a family from Korea, a, a, a student from Boston, a family from Waltham? Where else in my life can I connect with different ages, different backgrounds, different people of different ages to all gather together with one purpose? Where else can I do that? And James is saying that you are not here by accident. You don't sit next to this person by accident. You are connected to each other. And it can seem random at times. 
But in God's world, this is not random. Who you sit next to, who you interact with, and what we have in common with each other is not random. That you and I play a part in each other's lives. And James makes that so evident in chapter 5 that we are responsible for each other, that we carry each other's burdens, that we are in this journey together as a church and as a community. I don't know if you remember where you were on August 14th, 2003, but August 14th, 2003 brought about, if you remember, the great North American blackout. If you remember that, it was the greatest blackout in the history of North America where 60 million people lost power in the United States. If you want to take a look at the map that lost power, this was a satellite image of what August 14th and August 15th looked like in 2003. And I remember being a student here in Boston and not having power. And I remember what that was like and what that felt like. Now, if you trace back on how this happened, it could seem really random. It could seem really disconnected. But here's how this happened. There was a tree in Ohio that grew too long. That's all it was. A tree in Ohio grew too long and started to put weight on a specific line in the middle of central Ohio. The line started to sag, and the more it sagged, the more power it was starting to drain from one source to the next. That caused an outage within the the area of Ohio that was not registered in the specific power plant where it should have registered. Alarms should have gone off. Bells should have been whistling, but nothing was happening. And sure enough, when that one wire sagged, more power was being drained into certain wires in another part of Ohio and southern Canada. Before you knew it, One wire was taking power from another wire to another wire, and before you knew it, 60 million people had no power in North America. Now, you and I sitting in Boston at that time might think, that's totally random. Those wires in Ohio have nothing to do with me. But those wires in Ohio, that leaf and that tree in Ohio, did connect back to my life. And many times when we gather on a Sunday, it can feel like that person next to me is here randomly. They're just the person sitting next to me. But James says like this to believers scattered around the world as he closes this beautiful letter. He says, you are not accidents that sit next to each other. You are each other's burden holders. You are each other's rocks, each other's source of strength. When you are centered on Christ, the community is much stronger. Now carry each other's burdens. Pray for each other. Confess your sins to each other. Hold each other accountable. Here's the mistake we make in 21st century America. On Sunday, what do we do? We go to church. We go to church. Because in our minds, church is a building with four corners and a couple of seats, pews, instruments, and some guy who gets up there and speaks at the end. But that's not the way Scripture calls church, right? Not once in the Bible does it ever say, go to church. What does it say? Be the church. It never says go to church. It says be the church because the church, the word church is the bride of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's us. It's the people are the church. And we gather on a Sunday not because we go to church. We gather on a Sunday so that we can go and be the church every other day of the week too so that we can go and live the life that Christ has called us to, the life that James describes, praying for each other, confessing to one another, Loving each other, serving each other, being each other's rock, being responsible and accountable to one another. I don't know about you, but I get to see this regularly. Well, Alyn and I have been a part of Mount Hope. We've been 
We've been part of this community for over 10 years now. And I'll tell you, we've seen it. Some of us, we might not hear about it, we may not know about it, but we get to see what this looks like behind the scenes a lot. Right now, right here in this room are people who have paid for other families' rents for an entire month. There are people in this room who have paid electric bills and water bills for people who needed it. Silently, no praise, no worship about it. There are people here who have gotten on their knees and prayed for other people for hours and hours at a time as they fought illnesses and fought difficult times in their lives. We've walked into hospital rooms and found other members of this community already there sitting with someone that was in need. We've walked into homes where there's a family that's gone through a death or a loss in their home, and we've seen other members who are not only there, but cooking meals day after day, week after week, cooking meals for that family. What does it mean to be the church? It looks kind of like this, that we are responsible for one another. We are connected to each other. It is not random. It is not by chance. But God has placed you here with a burden in your heart to go and bless someone who might be sitting next to you, who might need to hear more, or who might need to feel the love of Christ. It is easy to come here on a Sunday, just hang out, put in my hour, get my gold star for attendance, get my merit badge for showing up to church, and just walk away. But James calls us to something higher. He says to show up in the presence of God to learn more and to grow in our love for him, but to grow in our connection with each other. I love the volunteers we have, and if you are ever interested in joining any of our volunteer teams, please don't hesitate to ask. We'd love to have that conversation with you. But our volunteers, what do they do? Every week they come here and they serve in children's ministry or checking in children or ushers and greeters or people who are just there doing things in the background. They do that because they love to serve God, but they also do it because it intentionally puts them in the path of other people to have interaction with them, to learn what is it that I can be praying for you about. How can I bless you this coming week? What can I do for you? That's what the church looks like, and that's what we are called to be as we are centered on Christ, we are connected to each other. So let me tell you very quickly, what does that community look like? I think, number one, that community is compassionate. That community is meant to be compassionate. James says it like this, pray for one another. Pray for one another. Is that something you can maybe incorporate into your life in 2019? where you can find, intentionally find people within this community or your life in general and start to vigilantly pray for them, to make it a practice in your life to hold them up in prayer. Can you find more people? Maybe right now you're praying for two, three, four, five people. Can you make that 10 this coming year? I love the fact that we open it up for for you to get prayed for. So if you need someone to stand with you and to pray with you, that's something that's available to you. It's not like the elders or the leaders in this church have some magical power, special ability when we pray for you. We just simply stand with you. We believe with you. And even more, we have a burden to now pray for you the entire week or that week that's coming up after. Because that's what we're called to do, to hold each other up, to know that we are responsible for one another. We must be compassionate to think not only that so-and-so is going through such-and-such a thing, oh, I wish them the best, but to say so-and-so is going through such a thing, I am now going through such a thing, to carry one another's burdens. 
The Apostle Paul puts it like this in the book of Galatians. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. When I hear that my brother doesn't have a job or my sister here is struggling with a diagnosis, that's not their problem anymore. That's my problem now. I'm going to carry that with them. That's what James is calling us to in this coming year. So we're not only called to be compassionate as a community, we're called to be accountable as a community. Accountable. He says it like this, confess to one another. Now, this can be a little weird. Confess your sins to one another. I I don't know about you, but this could be one of those things that you may not have grown up doing. And for some of you, you may come from a religious upbringing or practice that was different. Confession might have been something that you did corporately as a community, or it could be something where you stepped into a confessional box and you confessed to someone. That could be what your practice was. Regardless of that, James says, confess your sins to one another. Now, this can be highly awkward and highly difficult to do because you are taking your biggest weakness, your biggest vulnerability, and exposing it to someone else. Now, does he say it so that we can now be, uh, hold leverage over someone else or have power and authority over someone else? Not at all. James says that when you confess to one another, you are so committed as a community that you are carrying each other's burdens, whether it is a sickness or it is sin that you're carrying in your life. You don't have to carry it alone. You get to unload it. You get to unburden yourself and together walk through that situation. Accountability is one of the toughest things to happen within a community, but something we are absolutely called to do, to be accountable to one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a a very, very famous uh, theologian and pastor from the 1930s and 40s, and you may know some of his story because he was a a strong uh, anti-Nazi writer and thinker, and he, he stood out against the Nazis when they were rising to power and suffered a great deal as a result. Bonhoeffer in the late 30s actually conducted an underground seminary where he lived in community. He lived in community with 25 young men, and they shared everything. They lived together. They ate together. They always were together because they needed to be a community in this very difficult time. And Bonhoeffer comes back in his book, in, in one of his later writings, he, in a book called Life Together, he writes about this situation. He writes it like this about confession. He says, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And so within this underground community, they would confess to one another. They would say, I'm struggling with such and such at this time. And by carrying each other's burdens, they were making themselves humble before each other. But they were also able to further walk with someone closer to Christ. So we pray for each other. We confess our sins one to another. Now I encourage you, maybe find a trusted friend, a trusted brother or sister right here in this room possibly. And use this as a practice to say, God, I don't want sickness or failure to get in my way of my relationship with you, but I don't want sin to get in the way of that relationship either. And so I will hold someone accountable and they will hold me accountable. We are called to be compassionate. We are called to be accountable. And I believe as a community, we are called to be intentional. We are called to be intentional. How many of you grew up in a town or a street or a village or wherever it is you grew up where you knew most of your neighbors? 
yeah, most of us grew up in a town or time where we knew most of our neighbors. A lot of surveys and data shows us that it was a time in America, in most places, where people knew at least half, if not most, of their neighbors. In fact, most of Americans would say that I knew most of my neighbors. Today, that number is less than 30% of people that can say that I know are my neighbor. Think about it. We live in an age right now where we think we are more connected than ever before, right? We have technology, devices, internet, and social media that makes us believe we are more connected than we've ever been before. But the truth is, everything that we see from a social science perspective tells us the more connected we are via device and technology, the less connected we actually are on a human level. We've disconnected ourselves with our, with our connectivity. We've disconnected ourselves. And the more we study this, the more we see this phenomenon unfold, we find that people don't have someone to confide in. People don't have a connection. In fact, right now, there's a, a recent study showed that more than 55% of Americans say that they don't have someone outside of their immediate family to confide in on anything. We're disconnected. We're disconnected, and the more disconnected we become, the less we become like the church that James talks about, deeply connected, deeply intentional in each other's lives. Now, it doesn't mean we get involved in our lives and annoy people and pester them. It means we carry burdens with other people. We make sure that they don't have to walk alone in a situation that they find themselves in. We are intentional about our faith. What does community then look like? What's the benefit of community then? Some of you may know about the town Rosetto, Pennsylvania. You may have heard about Rosetto. Rosetto is a very famous town made even more famous through a series of books by Malcolm Gladwell. But Rosetto is a town in northeastern Pennsylvania where a major statistical anomaly was discovered and studied for over 50 years. The people of Rosetto, Pennsylvania in the 1960s suffered fewer heart attacks than just about any other community in America. How is that possible? How were they able to have fewer heart attacks than almost any other community in America? And so social scientists and medical researchers, they just fell upon this area and started studying it and studied it for 50 years. They studied this one town. Rosetto was neighbored by a town called Bangor, and Bangor and Rosetto were very, very similar towns. They had the same water supply, same environmental resources, so everything was pretty similar from an environmental perspective. The people of Rosetto ate the same diet as the people of Bangor. They consumed the same, sometimes, fatty foods and the same fried foods. They still consumed the same foods, they had the same diet, but they also exercised the same amount, too sometimes even less than their neighboring communities. Yet somehow, Rosetto had a dramatically lower heart attack rate in its town. And as researchers studied and studied and studied, at the end, they discovered one simple truth. Rosetto had a community unlike any other place that they'd ever seen. 1,600 people lived in that town. 1,600 people, all of Italian-American descent, all living with three generations in one home, none of them competing with each other to be better than any other home, and they took care of each other. This was the simple thing that they discovered. They took care of each other. When one family needed something, another family was there to hold them up. 
When one family struggled in any way, immediately others would swoop in. In fact, Rosetto had one of the lowest rates of federal or state uh, assistance, welfare being used in that community because people just took care of each other. In the end, the researchers simply stated it like this. Because of the tightness of their community, there are far lower stress levels within this community, and that's the only reason they have fewer heart attacks in this community. It was that simple. The community was the source of strength within them. Now, here's this interesting thing about Rosetto. Those same researchers said that if they lose their sense of tight-knit community, these numbers may reverse themselves, and sure enough, it did. Rosetto became much more Americanized, and within 50 years, their heart attack rates were actually higher than those of those communities around them. Community matters. Community is something that holds us up. Here's how the Bible says it. In the book of Romans, we read it like this. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 say like this. Our bodies have many parts, but these parts don't all do the same thing. In the same way, even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. And that's the way we're supposed to live. We are individuals who are connected to each other. There is a deep connection that exists here within the body. That's why it's so exciting when we gather here together. We gather because we are tightly connected to each other. There is one Lord between us. We are centered on him, and that forces all of us to now be a tight-knit community, and I love that. We've been blessed so much as a result of it, and I hope the more you come, the more you join, the more you get engaged and involved, you too will be blessed by that. We are all stronger as a result of this community. When Bill was playing that song a little while ago, that song has some lyrics that go like this, right? And if you remember them, you can sing along or whatever you'd like. It goes, you just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you understand. We all need somebody to lean on. So lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need someone to lean on. This is kind of what our community looks like in a strange way. This is it. It's that we are called to lean on one another and be the source of strength for those who need, who need someone to lean on. In good times and in bad times, when it's time for praise or it's time for prayer, we are there for each other to hold each other up and to encourage one another. I love that it's put like this, that we are not necessarily connected by blood. We're not. But in a spiritual sense, we are connected by blood. Christ's blood. We're connected to each other. And that deep connection should cause something to happen in each one of our hearts, in each one of our lives. And so as 2018 turns its page into 2019, I ask you this morning, I ask you today, where can you be intentional about these two things? James says like this, that if you and go and find the brother or sister who is wandering from among you and bring them back, you will cover over a multitude of sins and you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is what we are called to do, to be intentional. In that case, where can you be more intentional about being centered on Christ? And where can you be more intentional on deeply connecting with each other? You see, if we don't make this an intentional part of our lives, this is what tends to happen. We'll show up on a Sunday, we'll sit in our seat, we'll go home after that, and we'll just live life and come back and repeat the same cycle. 
you and I were called for more than that, to be centered on Christ and deeply, deeply connected to each other. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back as we close out our time of worship this morning. As a community, we are called to be compassionate, we are called to be accountable, and we are called to be intentional. Compassionate, accountable, intentional. I hope all of us will look back on 2018 and we'll find those places where being centered on Christ was the source of strength that got me through whatever it is I was going through. That as long as I was positioned in a way that was near my source of power, my source of strength, I did fine. I fulfilled my purpose. But I hope as 2019 comes, you will stay plugged in, but you'll also go find those people that you need to connect with and be intentional about blessing them in a way you can. Praying for them, confessing to them, hearing from them, listening to them, loving them, carrying their burdens together with them. I hope you'll go and do that this coming year. How do we stay constant in a world that's unpredictable and full of change? Be centered on Christ. Be connected to each other. If you need prayer after service today, my wife, Olin, and I will be available, and we would love to pray for you before you leave today. We hope that you will take advantage of things like fellowship time and understand why that even exists. It's for us to connect to each other and to go and build deep connections with one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you because you have called us into a community to live in community, to worship you in community, because you are a God who himself lives in community. And you understand what that means to love and to receive love in that community. Help us, God, as we turn the page on 2018 and enter into a new year, God, to be centered on you first, to turn to you in the good times, to turn to you in the troubled times. But more than that, God, help us to also connect with each other and to also lead people closer to you and help them in their walk with you by being deeply connected to one another. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for every answered prayer and every miracle that you've worked in this year, God. Use us as a community to do what it is you need us to do in the year ahead. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rise to our feet and worship God as we close out this morning. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at MT Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.